And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030. KVOI, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. And I am your host, Zach Yenster. Here on the show, uh, it is Wednesday in the real world. Here it is. Happy Hump Day. Uh, You've made it to the midpoint of the week. We don't wait until 5 o'clock on Wednesday. If you're listening now, you made it. We are in the mid part of the week, and it only gets better from here. Happy Hump Day, Mr. Matt Neely, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. How are you, sir? All right, Zach. Happy Hump Day. We've uh, <laughs> we've, made, we've made it to the pinnacle, and now it's uh, now it's on our way towards the weekend. And tomorrow's Friday Eve, so I'm telling you, <laughs> correct. It, it, it gets really fast yeah. uh, around here once we uh, once we hit uh, Hump Day. I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, normally, we would have Pastor Jeff Loxton. Uh, here with us, our faith and culture contributor, uh, for a few moments this morning for uh, one of our regular conversations. But he is off doing good work in the community today, so we're taking a pause, we're taking a break. Uh, wish him well. So you got me today uh, solo uh, until our final long segment where we will welcome in Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country. We're going to discuss the legacy of President Trump and NATO in light of current events should be an interesting conversation and uh like i mentioned up until then it's you and me on the air i want to talk about homelessness and pima county and american cities part three i want to talk about the window of opportunity that i believe greater tucson is close to missing and more uh but before we get going uh matt i have a a radio confession i need to make to you and uh, our listeners this morning. So uh, if, if you're ready to take my confession, Matt, I'd appreciate it. I, yeah, I, I have to get deputized or something to do this or something. Or, but, but please go ahead. Matt didn't know he needed to be ready, uh, ready for that. Um, 520-790-2040 is the live line to call in. But my confession is, um, as a radio host, I am not as good as probably most of my uh, radio host peers at cramming in phone calls. Uh, and that's because I hate interrupting people. Uh, and I actually think that our callers and listeners have a lot of good things to say on most issues. So I actually go into listening mode and I hate interrupting people. Um, so if, if, if you call in near the end of a segment, here's my confession, Matt, uh, we'll probably, uh, have you bleed over to the next segment. And if it's at the bottom of the hour, or slash bumping into uh, a, a another guest conversation may not be able to take it. And it's not because I don't want phone calls. It's that I know myself. I just can't and don't want to cram people in and tune people down and, you know, have Matt do all the things that Matt does to, uh, to get me back on the air to move to other things. I'm just not good at it. And I'm not going to pretend. That's my confession. So I love your phone calls. But unlike a podcast, there are uh, there are hard hard stops to this thing, and it's a it's an art. Um, but I just don't like to interrupt people, and I like what our listeners have to say. So if you have something to say, I want to hear it. Just uh, just give us a call uh, with enough time to to have you on, and we can have a conversation five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty. So Matt, that is my uh, hump day confession to you and our listeners, and I thank you for taking it. <laughs> 
Yeah, just uh, <laughs> give us a call, 790-2040. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, don't wait till the end of the segment, and we'll do our best to get you on in between uh, the questions that Zach wants to ask the guest. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that was uh, a good confession, Zach. I think that was uh, – was, do, do, do you feel better now? I, I, I don't know that I'm authorized <laughs> to provide absolution, but I hereby absolve you so of anything that you were carrying around. By, by the authority of nobody, I, uh, <laughs> I absolve you. By the authority nobody vested in me, Matt is t- is, is taking my uh, taking my confession this point. I feel lots better, Matt. I'm I had glad. to, uh, glad had we to get this, this out. off my chest. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, really, I I say this off sometimes on the show. I remember someone emailed me and said, "I wish you'd stop talking, and I love to hear somebody else." And I go, "Me too. <laughs> you should call in, make me stop, and you can start talking." I actually would love that to happen more often. Five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty again. Matt, since we are uh, being completely uh, uh, doing this, starting the show in a very different way, let's keep going. I don't have to confess anything, do I? <laughs> oh, uh, not unless you oh. you have something to confess. Uh, no, no. I would say I would say wait until Pastor Jeff Loxon comes back. If we're going to do this, uh, if we're going to do this thing, I would say wait for him. Uh, mine is just a radio confession. Okay. But if you have a real one, wait for Pastor Jeff next week. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Since we are being completely unconventional with how we're starting this show, Matt, let's go to break let's actually a few minutes early. talk about sports, too, while we're at it, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have a long segment I would like to do, part three of homelessness in Pima County and American cities. I got a lot to say on this from the past week, and uh, I, I want to make it a bit of a longer segment. So let's just put a pin in it for now. Let's go to a break real, real quick couple moments visit our sponsors on the way back that's where i'm going homelessness in pima county and american cities part three don't go anywhere the next generation of talk tipping point with zach cancer 10 30 the voice In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to sustainablestrengthsystem.com. 
Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for The Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to this drive time hour of Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenstar, on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Up ahead, we're going to talk homelessness in Pima County and in American cities. Blah, 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 blah. Part three, and the window of opportunity that I believe Greater Tucson is close to missing. That'll be after bottom of the hour. And then Ruben Navarrete and I are going to discuss the legacy of President Trump and NATO in light of current events. And uh, listeners who've been listening uh, in some form or fashion for an extended period of time, I think you will have noticed that my tone on this show has, I hope, ever remained pragmatic and balanced uh, and hopeful, but definitely more urgent. And Matt, I had an epiphany, I had a realization the other day of, of why I am feeling such a sense of urgency on a variety of issues here in Greater Tucson, Pima County, and Southern Arizona. And that is because uh, the American city, the experience of Tucson and an American city is this. Here's my realization. It's a Hallmark Christmas movie. It's a Disney movie. And here's what I mean by that. You watch four or five of those and you've seen them all. You you watch four or five of those movies and you kind of know what's going to happen in every other movie that you see. Right, you watch those those you know Hallmark Christmas movies. You, you can basically plot out the plot. You know what you're going to see. You know how it's going to start. You know what's going to happen in the middle, and you definitely know what's going to happen at the end. And Matt, I, I think, and I'm going to back it up in a minute, and then look at Pima County on this homelessness issue. My urgency 
is that the hallmark Christmas movie nature of American cities allows normal people like you and me to be Nostradamuses and have a pretty darn good uh, grasp of what the next five or ten years are going to look like in cities. That There is a math, a, a science to the plot of Hallmark Christmas movies. There is a science, there is a math, there is a formula for the experience of an American city. So Matt, I bet you didn't think I was going to start the show with a confession. And I bet you didn't think I was going to compare uh, Living in Tucson to a Hallmark Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. But here we go. Okay. <laughs> I've left Matt speechless. He has no words. He's just. I would just say, you, you, <laughs> after seeing one, you would you kind of know, or two, you know the formula. But, but I, I agree with your sentiments, so I don't want to hold you up. <laughs> I appreciate it. Let, let me let me let me square that circle. As Carson will, used to me. say, you know, buy the premise, you buy the bit. So <laughs> let me let me back that up. I, I, I'm not going to break from there. I'm not going to leave it there. Let me back up my point, and I think it'll show why I have become so passionately urgent about the issues that we face in this community. Because I know where we are in the script, and I know where it goes from here if we don't get a handle on the pressing challenges in this community. Not because I'm special, I think I'm pretty normal, but the Hallmark Christmas movie nature of cities allows me and allows you to know where this goes if we don't tackle homelessness, if we don't tackle community safety, if we don't tackle uh, the, the, the job opportunity, if we don't tackle housing affordability, because we can look at the 32 cities bigger than us and the 30 cities smaller than us in this great country of ours, and we can know where this story ends. Uh, there was an article in the Arizona Daily Star uh, that was uh, piped in, whatever you call that, by the Associated Press uh, on March 11th, not too long ago, uh, talking about how liberal U.S. cities change course, now clearing homeless camps. Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland said, I would be an idiot to sit here and tell you that things are better today than they were five years ago with regard to homelessness. And he said something that I said a couple of days ago. I don't know if it makes me feel good or not that, that I'm saying the same thing as Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. I'll let y'all decide. But he said this. Does this sound familiar, Matt? People in this city aren't stupid. They can open their eyes. Didn't I say that a few days ago? Yep. Uh, not that I think anybody in Tucson is trying to talk away from the problems. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, you know, uh, you, we are no longer able to tell people in this beautiful community of ours that what they are seeing isn't happening. I've got 800 people uh, in a network of mine that I, that I helped to lead in this community that the other day said that they think that we need to focus uh, big time on creating more economic opportunity and job opportunities in this community. And uh, don't tell people that they're stupid. They can open their eyes. What they feel and see on a lot of these nuts and bolts issues is, is basically true. This article goes on. As COVID-19 took root in the U.S., people on the street were largely left on their own. With many cities halting sweeps of homeless camps, the lack of remediation led to a situation that has spiraled out of control in many places with frustrated residents calling for action as extreme forms of poverty play out on city streets. In Seattle, there's a new mayor who ran on a platform that called for action 
on encampments, focusing on highly visible tent cities in his first months in office. In Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser launched a pilot program last summer to clear several homeless camps. In December, the initiative faced a critical test as lawmakers voted on a bill that would ban clearings until April. It failed 5-7. In California, L.A. mayoral candidate Joe Buscano, or Buscano, or however you say that, has introduced plans for a ballot measure that would prohibit people from sleeping outdoors in public spaces if they have turned down offers of shelter. San Francisco Mayor London Breed declared a state of emergency and said it's time to get aggressive and less tolerant of the bull, thing I can't say on air, that has destroyed our city. If you haven't seen the video, check it out. She says the full word in a press conference. In Sacramento, voters may decide on multiple proposed homeless-related ballot measures in November, including prohibiting people from storing hazardous waste. What is interesting is this article also says um, that... Uh, if liberal cities don't take drastic action, and by the way, this segment is not about the word liberal. I, I'm actually reading directly from an article. This is not red team, blue team, and I'll get to that in a minute. But there are really smart people who've been running cities for a long time say, look, if we don't actually take action on this issue, ballot measures that crack down on homelessness may emerge instead. How many times on this show have I said, whether it's about this or public safety, if you don't take care of the problem, if you don't take care of the solution, the pendulum will swing. And in a lot of American cities, right, this is back to the Christmas Hallmark movies, the script is so often the same. There is an ignoring of the problem. There is a, uh, a, a lack of solutions that meet the scale of the problem. There is a turning away from the issue to a point where the pendulum soon swings. Right? In this case, these are not conservative communities. These are liberal communities that would say so much of who we are and what we do is, is based on caring for people and, and assisting those who need a leg up and maintaining a social safety net saying, wait a second, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And my friends here in Tucson and Pima County, we're not there yet. I think it's disingenuous to say we are. We're not. But we are in that first 20 minutes of that Christmas Hallmark movie. And what I just read to you is where it ends and where it goes in the American city experience when there is not firm, smart, scaled solutions to the problems we face. I'm not Nostradamus, but you better believe I look at the Portlands and the Austins and the San Franciscos and the Washington DCs and the Seattles. And after a while, I get a pretty good feel and so do you, about where this Christmas Hallmark movie goes. Let me bring this back to Pima County. Over the weekend, and I recommend you reading it, Caitlin Schmidt uh, wrote a great piece on homelessness in Pima County as a whole, and it highlighted what my growing concerns are around the county. This is not municipal-driven. This is not red-shirt, blue-shirt-driven. This is Pima County, and all of that means the scope of the solutions proposed are not up to the scale of the challenge. In 2021, uh, almost 1,700 people experienced homelessness, according to data that Caitlin Schmidt brought to the paper the other day. 854 people uh, were estimated to be unsheltered in Pima County. This, my friends, is 135% higher than three years ago. Data tells a story. Don't listen to me. Don't believe me. Believe the numbers. 
135% higher than three years ago. In a recent newsletter, Councilmember Kazachik estimated that there's 1,000 people who need shelter in the city of Tucson who aren't getting it. There's no room in the inn. Her piece goes on to talk about a couple projects in the works to build what's called pallet shelter villages or tiny homes to be part of the solution. One organization, the Homing Project, is working towards a 30-house village with the help of ARPA dollars. The city of Tucson is researching doing one itself that could house 70 to 90 adults for an estimated cost of $1.45 million. And I I tweeted this out this week and I said, look, uh, there's smart people involved in both. I know that. And I believe... Uh, whether it's the city, whether it's a nonprofit, I, I, I ultimately believe that most, if not all, people there uh, are 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 there and doing what they're doing and thinking about what they're thinking for the right reasons. But the scope of the problem is enormous. But back to those data points, here's some more numbers. The housing director for the city of Tucson estimated in a February council meeting that there are up to Matt, get this, 260 encampments throughout the city. 260. The University of Arizona Southwest Institute on Research for Women estimates a need of 2,000 housing units to shelter the unsheltered. And look, look, I want to say this again. I think there's good people doing good work for the right reasons. My friends, I'm looking at this from an ROI, return on investment. I don't think a $1.45 million tiny house development to house 70 to 90 people at a time is the solution for a problem that is thousands upon thousands large. And my passion is from a humanitarian lens. My passion is from a shared community lens because if we keep uh, dinking and dunking the issue, we're going to get to where the cities I read about the top of the segment are. That's how this Hallmark Christmas movie ends every single time. And I keep saying this. I think we're stuck on housing first. And I'm becoming a shelter-first, treatments-first, housing-earned guy. It would seem to make sense that dollars get used to increase our shelter capacity in the city and county. Housing-first doesn't allow for scale. It just doesn't. Create more shelter. Mental health and drug addiction treatment follows. Successful graduation, if those issues are underlying, then advances to more permanent housing of all kinds of varieties. I'm not an expert. But I'm looking at what I'm seeing and I see the data is in the thousands and I see the solutions are in the tens and I go, good gracious, the script follows the script every single time. And we've got a, we've got a little window here, by the way, to actually have a different strategy that looks at a scaled up shelter strategy to get ahead of this challenge. Our public spaces, our community goods, We agree to a social contract for safety and security, and our unhoused should have access to shelter and services. The current approaches are micro-solutions to a massive problem. And if we make just a dent and only a dent in three, five years, we will be in this place that I started this segment with, and that's how it goes. Uh, I want to take your calls on the other side of the hour. I also have, if I can fit it in in a short segment, Uh, The window of opportunity, I think Greater Tucson, is close to missing. Back to my urgency that comes from hope. But ultimately, the movie script, the, the Christmas Hallmark experience, that is the American City experience. If you've seen one, you know how it's all going to turn out. We got our window here. We'll be right back on 1030 The Voice.
2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. You are listening to us live out of the Common Workspace Studios. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 1030 KVY The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, Conversation and Talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. If you just joined us, uh, we were talking about homelessness in Pima County and American Cities, part three of our conversation on that topic on this show, uh, where I talked about how the American City experience uh, is the same as Hallmark Christmas movies. Once you've seen one or two, you know the script, the plot, what's going to happen. You know the movie before you see it, you know where it goes. The American City experience is the same and where cities go is a math equation. It is a science. It is predictable. And my passion and urgency for homelessness in Pima County comes from looking at cities of our size and a little bit larger all around the country who are three to five years ahead of us on this issue, who didn't do the work to tackle the issue good enough, big enough, large enough, and are now paying the price of a situation that is out of control with no solution in sight. Tucson's window on that is rapidly closing. If I can get to it, I want to talk about the window of opportunity. Greater Tucson is close to missing. uh, And I want to take some phone calls as well. So we'll see what we can get through. In a minute, Ruben Navarrete and I are going to discuss the legacy of President Trump and NATO 
in light of current events. That is going to be an interesting segment, and I'm looking forward to it. Real quick, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. Uh, they opened downtown, just a few doors down from the Rialto Theater on October 20th last fall, and they're doing great. The Love Burger is serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream, milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social at Little Love Burger. And mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. Before we change topics, let's go to the line. Matt is on and listening. Thanks for hanging on a few minutes, Matt. You are live and on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, one, I can appreciate the analogy. Uh, my, my big concern is, you know, you need a leader uh, that is responsible for the issue in total. And unfortunately, if you were to ask me who's, who's responsible for homelessness in, in uh, Tucson, uh, I don't know who that is. And now I understand that they, they can't be directly, you know, uh, uh, ordering nonprofits or so forth, uh, all the different players. I mean, I know who all the players are, whether it be the Salvation Army, whether it be... Um, uh, Primavera, whether it be uh, not Primavera, but uh, yeah, Primavera, but the other groups, uh, the, the the you know our food people. Um, but uh, the problem is, we need somebody who takes full responsibility for the, the final result. Uh, and and then the other thing is, you know, this is a complicated problem because you know between COVID and so forth, we've we've been fighting to keep people in their apartments during COVID, and, and it's been, uh, it was a, a monstrous battle uh, because, you know, uh, it's just been a, a devastating couple years trying to keep people from, from losing their ability to, to have housing. Uh, and the final thing is, uh, and it's just a complicated problem, you know, this is a national issue. Tucson, unfortunately, is a destination location, so we need to, yeah. we need to parse out how much of this are, are new people entering the Tucson market uh, because they're, they're throwaways from Oregon or wherever because they're just taking a draconian policy, which is uh, basically uh, criminalizing it. We can't, we, you know, criminalizing it is not going to solve the problem. And um, so the, the last thing is, in the story in the star, the part that just upset me to no end is that one person, you know, we've got to keep people you know, that are still, you know, able to be saved, uh, save them, you know, from becoming homeless. And that story about the Walmart employee losing their job because they got sick or whatever, mm. and uh, then losing their apartment and then basically becoming homeless. And I was like, well, did somebody call Walmart and say, you know, why did mm. they lose their job? You know, why did, why did you fire them? You know, how many of these people are because these are these are low level jobs and these employers in Tucson do not take responsibility for any of this. Anyway, that's that's my comment. Bye. No, Matt, I I appreciate that. Uh, I I uh, Walter is on the line. I want to get to you in a second, Walter. But Matt, your your call raised a couple things for me. Number one is the spike in homelessness that we are um, working through now is uh, in part a pre COVID surge. So the Tucson Pima County Coalition on Homelessness, something like that, said, look, no doubt we're still figuring out what COVID impacted, but this was a pre-COVID spike 
um, that that happen. And I think we have to keep that um, in mind. And the reason why we are struggling to a large degree is that I think we uh, are looking at creating housing and not shelter. And we can't even create enough housing to keep housing affordable for the middle class in this community, let alone thinking through how we're going to scale up individual units for those who are unhoused. And so I think we have to look at a a solution that is more scalable. Housing first is not scalable. And I'm not looking at this from a dogmatic point of view. I'm saying the ROI, you know, 1.45 million to house 70 people. To me, that doesn't make sense. So Matt, thank you for your call. Before we go to break, I want to have Walter on. Uh, Walter, thanks for calling and for uh, waiting for a second. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that my, my, uh, my belief is that homelessness is a symptom of, uh, of, a, of a deeper problem that, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've heard you talk about uh, why, can't, why Tucson can't compete and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we had a, a significant opportunity back in the 1970s and IBM came in here and built a very large facility and that facility failed. It literally failed. Um, So we are not we are not focused on raising children that want to learn. Raising children that want to uh, honor their family uh i I could go on and on but uh you can you can build houses uh i went out last saturday morning with some other people and i saw uh, a number of homeless people and we talked to them et cetera et cetera we didn't ask why they were homeless but yeah i know it's a big problem but uh, you can look at the drug problem the suicide problem uh, all kinds of things and it starts it starts with little kids and and the and the environment in which they are raised so that's what i want to say walter thank you for calling in i'm glad uh, we were able to take that call you know i think homelessness is a a symptom i agree with you of many things uh certainly mental health and drug addiction and 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 we don't want to address that problem there's a lot of thought leadership around homelessness is a housing issue i don't think it is I think the data points in a completely different direction that we don't want to deal with and that it is often underscored by mental health challenges and needs and drug addiction. We have to tackle those. I, I, I have to go to a break in a, sec, in a second to not leave our, our final guest waiting. Uh, but Walter, I said this on the show on Friday and uh, we're sending my daughter to a, to, to a TUSD school and we're excited about the A-plus school we're sending her to. And there's some great things going on in the district. I think we have to see TUSD successful for a successful region. Um, but by the numbers, to your point, Walter, uh, you know, pre-COVID even, uh, only 30% uh, were proficient in grade three math, which meant that there was a small fraction above that who were super proficient, and honestly, a lot of people who were minimally proficient. Um, By grade eight math, 11% of TUSD students uh, were proficient in math, and by grade eight, pre-COVID, the numbers have gone down, mind you, where it was 18% proficiency in grade eight English. You talk about an achievement gap, 
You talk about the inability uh, to train a workforce for the industries of the future. Those numbers do not give us promise um, that, that, that when those young people become young adults and grow, that they're going to be able to be active, engaged, fruitful members of our community. We have to solve that problem. So, Walter, that's what you made me think of. The numbers are um, are incredibly damning, if, if I think I can say that, FCC. Uh, and, and we got to solve that. And this is all connected. And we have created achievement gaps in this community. Look, I love this community. I'm here to stay. I could go somewhere else if I wanted to. So I'm, I'm not just banging a drum without being invested. But my urgency on this show comes from the fact that we have to tackle these problems. They're getting worse, not better. Matt Neely's got my back. He's got the music going because I got to get out of here. Ruben Navarrete is on the other side. We're going to talk about the legacy of President Trump and NATO in light of current events. I've been looking forward to this segment. We'll be right back. Miss a show? Check out the podcast at KVOI.com. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Tucson. Have you heard of local nonprofit Impact of Southern Arizona, where we are more than just a food bank with a clothing bank, youth and senior programs where we are moving people forward. Arizona Gives Day is coming up on April 5th and 6th, where you have the chance to support organizations like Impact. Learn more about Impact of Southern Arizona and our critical programs at www.impactsoaz.org. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. 
Hey guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the sustainable strength system is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to sustainablestrengthsystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, Tucson City Councilman Kevin Dahl at noon on 1030, Tucson's voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We are live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Uh, we've been talking uh, a little bit on accident, uh, in fact, about homelessness in Pima County and Tucson, part three. This is the third show where we've talked about it at least for a segment. Uh, we're still awaiting Ruben Navarrete uh, to call in. He's the most uh, widely read Latino columnist in the country. And we always talk about what the pieces are that he's writing. He writes regularly. He has his own podcast for Washington Post and Daily Beast. And the one uh, item that caught my eye um, was NATO and uh, President Trump and the legacy of that. And I think it's a timely topic. Uh, if uh, for whatever reason we don't get to talk about it today, I, I want to carry it over to our next conversation uh, with him because I think it's really interesting. And I think it's, it's somewhat complicated. And, and, and this is in my pragmatic and uh, uh, objective attempt at looking at the issue. Uh, I may not get into it without Ruben too much, but let me mention what I was going to ask Ruben, uh, and that is my mind went back to uh, the 2018 conversation uh, that was had between President Trump and NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg uh, around a bilateral breakfast that was ahead of the NATO summit in Brussels, Belgium uh, in, uh, in 2018, if I have my, if I have my facts straight. What I do have my facts straight about um, is that uh, just prior to that, Berlin, and forgotten some of these details, Berlin had given uh, support to building a uh, $11 billion pipeline uh, to bring Russian gas across the Baltic Sea uh, called and uh, now we remember the name because it was just in the news, Nord Stream 2. And what was interesting is that uh, other EU states weren't, e weren't happy about that either. Um, but Angela Merkel uh, backed it up and said, we're, we're going to do this. And uh, I had forgotten this, but I remember this testy lunch. I think it was this testy lunch we probably all saw um, where, uh, where President Trump uh, spoke firmly. <laughs> Maybe that's putting it kindly. Uh, to NATO leadership and said, quote, to Stoltenberg, when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia, we're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. We're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia and you pay billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that it's very inappropriate. I don't know if this number is right uh, because I'm not sure the president 
knew or knows what it's right when he says it, but Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. You tell me, is that appropriate? And, and, and so I think the legacy of President Trump and NATO is actually more complicated than it would seem. On the one hand, you know, I, I've said on this show that I think the conflict between the war between Russia and Ukraine, I think, showed more clearly than ever that we live in a globalized international economy, international world. We don't get to be these island nations unto ourselves like maybe we could 100, 150 years ago to some degree, that there is an interconnectivity between us as nations and communities of the world um, that are are pulled together by economy and, and dollars and trade. And that's not some globalist pitch that's just saying we are more connected, I think, than we realize. Uh, that in a matter of hours and days, action by NATO and the world was able to weaken the Russian economy to such a degree, I think shows that. And during the, the, the Trump administration, I remember a lot of questions around uh, the value of NATO and also American investment in NATO. And I've said this on the show before that objectively, I'm not sure that President Trump would have been the right guy to bring the NATO alliance together, to bring the EU to the table, uh, to provide the united front against Russia that I think is necessary. It's not what he ran on. It's not what he was about. Uh, I, I, I think that that was um, that that is that is true. However, um, there are some things that President Trump brought on that I think are interesting. Uh, first of all, we saw the Germans pull back from Nord Stream um, and that $11 billion investment. We saw Germany start by sending helmets over to Ukraine and then massively ramp up defense spending. So I, I think the legacy of President Trump and NATO is interesting because I don't think he could have done what needed to be done today. But some of what he pushed back on for NATO proved to be somewhat prophetic that there needed to be a more European scaled uh, foreign policy and defense spending, that there was this, you know, anti-Russian alliance of sorts uh, that was built. uh, But at the same time, there was billions of dollars being spent and funneled in uh, around gas and oil. And and so objectively, I think it's kind of complicated. And uh, that's why I was interested to have uh, Ruben Navarrete on the show to talk about it, because I know he has opinions. And uh, Ruben is now on. So look at that. Ruben Navarrete, good morning to you. Thanks for uh, being with us this morning. Zach, good to be with you. Busy news day, a split screen between Ukraine and a confirmation hearing. Good to be with you. For sure. I don't know how much you uh, you heard of kind of my last three or four minutes breakdown of the legacy of President Trump and NATO. I think it's complicated. I don't know how much you heard, um, but yeah. your, your opinion, your thoughts, please. So it is complicated, and here's why. As you laid out correctly, uh, President Trump had a good point in terms of pressuring NATO countries to pull their own weight, to uh, not rely solely on the United States or Great Britain even in terms of of their defense. And you see what's happened, as you mentioned, in Germany as a positive uh, sort of vindication of where Trump was. But the reason it's complicated is because one of the things that Joe Biden's getting credit for right now is pulling together NATO. NATO. The United States isn't just sort of the chief policeman of the world. Uh, when you're the president of the United States, you're not just the uh, commander in chief, but the leader of the free world, but you're also the head of NATO. What we've learned about NATO is it does not function well without a leader at the front of the table. And that's the role that typically mm. the United States president should play. So where Donald Trump failed in flying colors, 
was in abdicating his responsibility to be the head of NATO. And the last month or so has not been vindication for Trump. It's actually been vindication for Trump's critics, who said that had he basically bowed to the wishes of Vladimir Putin and pulled us out of NATO, and there's some speculation that if Trump were reelected, had he been reelected, that's exactly what he would have done. Uh, John Bolton said that. People who worked for Trump said that, that that was always his goal. There was a split within the Trump administration between the folks like Bolton, who understood the role of NATO, versus the folks in the Trump camp who wanted to pull out. Well, look where we've arrived. Zach, the only thing keeping China on, on edge or at bay uh, and keeping it from rolling into Taiwan or sailing into Taiwan uh, is concern over NATO. NATO has an eight-to-one troop advantage over Russia. Uh, NATO is what uh, Vladimir Putin's afraid of. Uh, it's, it's because he was concerned that Ukraine might join NATO that a lot of this happened. So I think that uh, it is complicated, but there needs to be a leader. NATO's leader, like it or not, is the United States. And I think Joe Biden's done a much better job in that role than Donald Trump did. Yeah, Ruben, I, I couldn't quite tell how much you and I would agree on this. And I think we actually largely agree on on what the uh, what the complicated aspects are. I don't know if you uh, hopped on the hopped on the line right after I said that I think that the last uh, few weeks have shown that the United States has to be active and involved, that we are a connected global community where there has to be leaders of these alliances. Uh, and that was never what right. President Trump wanted to do or wanted to be. Um, and uh, I think this is a vindication for America to be involved and at the head and leading uh, the uh, certainly the Western world in terms of democracy and freedom, and I think President Trump, uh, in in many ways, failed to uh, failed to do that, and would have I think certainly failed in this role. Um, so yeah, no no uh, apologism either way from me on this. I, I mentioned I think before you hopped on, but on the other hand, again, I think there was some really accurate prophetic pushes from the Trump administration that are showing to be also true in this situation. And Europe has to carry its own weight and has to stop subsidizing Russia. And it took war with Ukraine to get there, but President Trump was right. So I think we agree, Ruben, actually. Yeah, there's a nuance to the position. I think that as Ben Shapiro, the radio host, points out, two things can be true at the same time. It is true that, as we said, that um, uh, NATO and Germany uh, and the countries of Europe should pull their own weight. And it was it was correct for Trump to make that an issue, but not to the point of abdicating your responsibility, your historical responsibility. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've learned about this. People who have worked for President Trump now, they've written books, they're giving speeches, they're talking, and they're saying that this is not a curious person. This is not a person who reads. This is not a person who understands the history of NATO. This is not a person who would listen to his advisors. This is a person who famously said he knew more about war than the generals did. So come on. I mean, it's not, it's not surprising that he didn't understand the historical role that NATO needs to play. But I got to tell you, anybody has been paying attention to the, what's going on all over the world in the last 30 days, uh, we've gotten a primer on the importance of NATO. Uh, and for those of us in my generation, Generation X, born in 1967, mm. never thought much about NATO. Now yeah. it's practically all I think about. 
Ruben Navarrete, as always, thanks for uh, bringing your perspective and insights here on the show. Bit of a shorter segment today, but we'll be back uh, next week to, to do it all over again. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Thank you, Zach. Ruben in the Center is the podcast. Check out Ruben Navarrete on Washington Post, Daily Beast, and more. We'll be back, Tucson. Same time, same place on Thursday. Take care out there.